and welcome back to another edition of YCT Matters. This is Carol Platt-Lebow, the president of Yankee Institute, and we have the privilege of being joined today by John Grandy. Mr. Grandy is a Connecticut physical education teacher, and he is a man who stood up for his principles. What's even more exciting is that he won. Mr. Grandy is a man who teaches up near Hartford, and his school threatened to fire him after he criticized its mandatory diversity training on exploring privilege. But here's the thing. He filed a grievance against the school, and the local teachers union dismissed the complaint without explanation. And now we're going to let him tell his story going forward. Welcome to the show, Mr. Grandy. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Let's talk a little bit about what this sensitivity awareness training was. Uh, what was going on with all of this? Well, in October of 2020, they, we had a uh, professional development, and it was titled Identity and Privilege. And it was all on Zoom. Um, it was the Unified Art Teachers in Hartford. And we were to engage in an activity. Oh, boy. <laughs> we, we had a um, headings like race, gender, uh, sexual orientation, uh, religion. And under each of those uh, headings or topics, there was a series of questions that we were to answer. And if we were to answer yes to any of the questions, we were to shade in a pie chart. And if you can answer yes to any of the questions, uh, you would be considered to have privilege. I recognized it right off the bat as critical race theory. Right. And after completing that activity, we were broken up into small groups and set in a, um, a breakout room uh, on Zoom, probably about eight or nine people in there. And we were supposed to discuss this question. And the question was, how did it feel to engage in this activity? Yeah. So I was, <laughs> I was one of the senior members. And I get in there and I says, well, I just got man bashed and white shamed. Did it trigger the other members of your group? Well, as soon as I made that statement, another uh, teacher stated, uh, he goes, you know what? I've worked hard for everything I've gotten in my life, and I, I'm not going to apologize for anything. I kind of chimed back in by saying, you know, I says, I've been in the system for 32 years, and all I've ever taught pretty much was just minority kids. Now I have people that uh, that are pushing this training forward to have I, much less experience than me teaching these kids, if any at all. And who are they to tell me that I don't know how to deal with these kids? I've, and as a PE teacher, I have dealt with thousands of kids because PE teachers see every kid in the school. Right. And at the time I was there for 32 years, I've seen so many different kids from all different walks of life, different types of personalities and behaviors, you know. Um, and, and frankly, so, if you hated minority kids, you wouldn't have stayed in that school system. Oh, oh of course not. You know, and I mean, what, what, how stupid? Go ahead. Yeah. So, um, three months later, I'm informed that I'm under investigation. And I this guess is just the, like the Stasi, just like, you know, just like the whatever the Soviets had. You're under yeah. investigation. I love it. Go yeah. ahead. So, uh, apparently, I was accused of creating a hostile work environment, uh, so that people could not learn. And, um, <laughs> You know, so so begins the witch hunt. Of course, I went through the uh, the interview. Uh, that would be January of twenty one. Um, now, in 
in October of 21, that witch hunt converted into the kangaroo court where I had to go to a, a predisciplinary hearing. Because you had engaged in wrong think. Yes. According to them. Yes. I guess I just didn't agree with the narrative that was being jammed down everybody's throat. You know, the purpose of indoctrinating the teachers to indoctrinate the kids. Uh, I'm not there to teach kids how to hate based on race, gender or whatever. And I go through the predisciplinary hearing. So now we're talking 13 months, a little over 13 months after that original professional development. Uh, I receive a written reprimand um, that's placed in my personnel file for the first time in my career. And how long uh, have you been teaching, Mr. Grandy? My overall career spans 36 years, the last 35 in Hartford. So I'm in my 35th year right now in Hartford. I get the reprimand and I had to take uh, sensitivity awareness training, which was also ordered, which I, I have to say it was more like an attempt at uh, reprogramming, like the, you hear about with political dissidents in uh, communist regimes, basically telling you what to think, how to think. I don't want to go down a rabbit hole, but can you tell us a little bit about what that was like? I was just, a, it was a recording that I had to listen to and answer questions to. And like I said, it was basically, um, you know, you would, they would want you to, before you say anything, think about what you're saying and how it might hurt somebody. So if you're asked for an opinion, and let's not forget, I was asked how I felt about something. So my feelings on taking, uh, engaging in that activity, I answered honestly. So I took the training, put in the proof I took it, and then I filed a grievance. Actually, I should say I filed a grievance uh, right after I got the reprimand. I took the training maybe a week or two later. So I get into the grievance hearing, and the union is there with me. Now, I left the union in 2018, mm -hmm. uh, a few months after the Janus decision was rendered. And so I'm in there uh, in the grievance hearing. Now, in Hartford, there's three steps to a grievance hearing. Uh, the first two steps are controlled by the district administrators. And the third step is arbitration. I knew I was going to lose in the first two steps, because if you're going to conduct this witch hunt in kangaroo court and you, you control the first two steps. Yeah. No, I'm going to lose the first two steps. And I predicted that. And I even stated in that that uh, grievance, I said to everybody, I says, you know what? I said, I'm going to see you in arbitration. I'll see you there. And when I received notification that I lost the grievance, the next day I contacted the union. Now, by our contract, we have 10 days to, the union has 10 days to file for arbitration. So the next day I, I contacted uh, the HFT. And stated, hey, as I predicted, I'd, I'd lost, I'm gonna, I lost this grievance. And uh, what do I have to do to go to arbitration? Five days go by and I finally get a response. And it was by one of the vice presidents. And it stated that uh, arbitration is reserved for dues paying members. <gasps> Ooh, they can't do that. No. And I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, you know, there's something wrong with this statement here. This isn't right. So. Just to do my due diligence, I knew I, I have a friend who's first of the union. And I gave them a call and they got back to me and says, yeah, they can't do that. So um, I sent. Now, meanwhile, I also contacted the Yankee Institute and I left a message. And so the next day after I got that, so this would be day six or whatever, I sent in another email and I said, OK, so if I rejoin the union, 
does that make me eligible for arbitration? And they came back a day later and they doubled down and says, no, you would have had to been a member from the time this incident happened. Oh, they're shameless. And let's all remind everyone, what union is this, Mr. Grandy? This is the Hartford Federation of Teachers. Yeah, right. And which is a, a, a part of the American Federation of Teachers, who's which is run by everybody's favorite union leader, Randy Weingarten. Mm-hmm. Yes. The queen of keeping the little, the least privileged children out of school throughout the pandemic, resulting in catastrophic learning loss that has crippled a generation. But I digress. Go ahead. <laughs> so um, now at this point, I had two pieces of uh, two emails here stating this. And, and then Frank, Frank Ritchie, uh, one of your fellows, our labor me. fellow, you bet. Yeah. And, um, you know, I said, listen, I, I, I have these emails in, in phrase. So wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You got that in writing. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm like, yeah, I got two of them right here. <laughs> I won't go on to what Frank said after that, but he, <laughs> right, right. When he said it, I'm like, oh, I like this guy. I'm going to be able to hang out with him. So you can hang out with all of us. <laughs> okay. So, so, um, uh, Frank gave me the number of the Fairness Center. Now, I've never heard of the Fairness Center before. And what I did was I called them up. I left to talk to somebody. um, And then they had uh, Logan Hetherington, who Mm -hmm. ended up being my lead attorney, get back to me. And I gave them all the stuff. And they obviously did their due diligence and says, "Okay, we're going to file a, uh, a labor board charge. And uh, they filed that, I believe, in July of 22. And just to go down the rabbit hole for a minute again, mm-hmm. our friends at the Fairness Center, the Fairness Center is a nonprofit public interest law firm that provides free legal help to those who are hurt by public sector union officials. And so we just wanted to throw that out there because anyone who might be be listening who ha- is facing a similar sort of situation, reach out. We will connect you. Shouldn't happen to anyone. Go ahead, Mr. Grandy. Um, so uh, the next, let's see, the, ne- the maybe six weeks after we had we had filed, now the the union files for arbitration. The only problem with that is you have ten days. They file for arbitration with the AAA uh, six months later. So. You know, they went through, I wasn't involved in this, but uh, Logan, uh, Nathan McGrath, who's the president yep. of the uh, of the uh, Fairness, uh, Center. Fairness yep. Center, and then Craig Fishbein, who also partners with the Fairness Center. They were yes. all meeting. They went through the whole process. They didn't want me for there for that part. But um, in um, so we had our hearing in February of this year, 23. Yeah. We went through the whole thing on Zoom. In August, the labor board actually sided with me and agreed that I was discriminated against. It was kind of like a, a slam dunk in my favor because it was a very one-sided decision. Basically, I think they basically scolded the HFT and said, you know, your, your argument, because what their argument was, was that they were um, not properly trained in telling me that uh, I was a non-dues-paying member. So 
I was not eligible. However, they had been in office for more than a year and a half since that. And they ran unopposed. Every two years, they have an election. They won in 2020. So they took over in July 1st of 2020. The time that this happened, when I got these emails, if, if another team ran against them, that would have been, they would have been campaigning for their second term. So the mere fact that, you know, uh, we weren't trained, I mean, really, you had five days. You could, you could have picked up the phone and called the, the AFT attorneys if you had any questions. But the second email actually was much more detailed and sounded much more confident than the first email denying me. So um, the labor board did not buy that argument. And uh, they ordered the uh, HFT to pay attorney's fees to stop discriminating against me. And um, they had to post the decision in every school for 60 consecutive days. I That was my favorite part, is they have to post it so everybody can see how wrongly they behaved. And the board's finding, it said, quote, we think the union underestimates the inherent hostility in segregating a class of employees because they have ceased to financially support the union, unquote. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're right. They're right. I mean, they were just, they were being jerks. They were absolutely deliberately violating the law under Janice because they have exclusive representation rights. They right. have to, they have to represent you whether or not you belong to the union. If they don't want the exclusive representation rights, then they wouldn't have to do it. But they demand exclusive representation rights. As long as they have them, they have to represent you, whether you belong to the union or not. Correct. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, I I just, uh, it is a wonderful story, because too many people uh, will not call them to account. And for that, you know, first of all, for the school district to come after you for exercising your First Amendment rights is shameful. And some of this was such nonsense. Um, you know, I, I I saw in some of the press coverage, um, you know, some of this uh, privilege business talking about how, um, you know, one of the examples of privilege was, I do not fear increased mortality from COVID-19 or standard medical procedures such as giving birth. That's supposed to be an example of privilege. I mean, this is all woke nonsense. Yeah, they were all gaslighting questions, you know, yes. uh, that we were having to answer. And, um, and you know, uh, it is amazing to me that at a time when so many children, especially low-income children, um, have have suffered such catastrophic learning loss, our educators' time and uh, attention is being diverted with indoctrination into this kind of stuff rather than um than than you know they're being able to focus their time on uh, on being able to help these children recover and and doing the kind of things you do as a physical ed- education uh, educator helping them uh, have pro social skills healthy lifestyles all the different things that you do mm-hmm. yeah and one of the things that dawned on me during this was, um, and I'll ask you this question: um, When was the last time you ever heard anybody talk about closing the achievement gap? We well, I will say, 
quite recently because at Yankee well, Institute we talk about it all the time. I haven't I haven't heard it for a long time, and it's, it's almost as if you're hanging uh, around with the wrong people. Well, it, <laughs> it's almost like okay, well, um, are we wa- waving the white flag on that, and now we're going to start right? looking at excuses, right? Start pointing fingers and blame others. Like, well, those, that's those, a, that's exactly decades to, to help in these kids. You know, yes. I, that's exactly that's exactly what this is. This is uh, this is to excuse the failure of of uh, of some of these educators to give these children the skills they need and deserve. At Yankee Institute, we believe children should have access to um, scholarship tax credits that help them, you know, have some control and uh, and 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 various other things that allow them to uh, to when their school is failing them to do something different. And we think that would help at least in, in, infuse a sense of urgency to um, to school administrators and others who are trying to uh, shift blame rather than get these children the educations they need. Well, I'll say this, you know, the Harvard teachers um, through my all my years there, they're, they're extremely dedicated. And I know that the kids and, and a lot of them, uh, the majority of them, especially the veterans, they know what they're doing. And, you know, the, the, the experience and the knowledge and the wisdom lies within those veteran teachers. And I'm just curious why that knowledge and wisdom is not tapped in going to them. You know, who knows their kids better than the classroom teacher. And I just don't think the teachers um, experience and knowledge is being used to actually help these kids. You know, and I think in many cases, you're absolutely right. And we would love to have some of those teachers speak with us. Um, We think in many cases, there are regulations that tie their hands. And a lot of those are imposed by the unions. And we would Uh, like to we would yeah. like to be able to work with them to get some of those regulations removed, um, you know, so that their hands can be untied. And mm-hmm. so that a lot of the funding that is tied up in regulations in administration can get to the teachers, get to the classrooms, get to the kids, mm-hmm. because a lot of these teachers, they, they must be dedicated. Look at career teachers like you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you know, you have te- if you're if you're going to last, you know, t- uh, two, three decades in Harvard, um, you're you're a pretty strong person, you know, to be able. I, to, to I would think, and then to be dedicated to that, and I, I don't think the teachers really get uh, acknowledged in a um, genuine way um, yep. uh, for that. Um, as far as the curriculums go, I'm not sure the unions really have too much say. And what's done, but I, I will say this: I, I, I do believe that the the HFT had a hand in uh, being instrumental in pushing this identity and privilege training, uh, mm-hmm. the, of which I was investigated for. Um, so, um, you know, there's there's still a lot of there's a lot of work and a lot of changes that uh, need to be made, and it's, it's going to take a while. And um, you know, there's a, there's also a, a big turnover rate here. So you're you're constantly bringing teachers in. They're leaving, trying to get new ones, and it, it's it's the veterans are the ones that keep it going. 
I believe that. And we're grateful for all of them. And, you know, we would love it if you would come back to talk some more about these issues. And if there's a veteran teacher, you know, another veteran teacher, you know, who would come with you. We want to learn because our goal is to close that education gap. And whatever works to do that is what we're for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Well, I'm sure, you know, when I retire, I'll be (laughs) Okay. Well, then we'll do it because uh, we salute you. We salute those veteran teachers who care about their kids. And we're grateful for what you do. Thank you. And uh, and we really admire you for taking a stand on behalf of free speech and um, and for seeing it through on principle. Well, I think there's a lot of teachers uh, that uh, did not like this type of training. Um, and a lot of them just they're just not going to say anything. Um, I guess they don't want to be a target like I became a target, but they are all, most of them on the same page with me on this. Um, the ones I talk to, the ones that I associate with. Um, it's just uh, I don't think it's just I don't think it's right to take uh, uh, individuals who have dedicated so much time and, and effort into trying to help these kids to have uh, race and, and gender and, and, and what else uh, tossed in your face, you know, as the okay, well, I'm, you're not the same. You don't have the same situation as these kids. However, uh, you, you 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 know you need to you treat them differently. Um, when you talk about equity, equity is treating kids the same way. Absolutely. Well, you know, a famous quote often attributed to Andrew Jackson is one man with courage makes a majority. And you showed courage. And, uh, and we're grateful. And we're grateful to you for taking the time to come on and speak about it. Sure. And uh, John Grandy, physical education at Uh, at Hartford Public Schools. We are grateful to you for your courage, for your time, and for your principle. And we are grateful to you, listeners, for YCT Matters. This is Carol Platt-Lebow, president of Yankee Institute. Please join us next time. I'll show you around this place I call home.